Hello and welcome back to the God Story podcast. I'm Brent Siddle and my guest this time on the show is Don Everts, who joins us to talk about his new IVP book called Discover Your Gifts, Celebrating How God Made You and Everyone You Know. And I quote from the publicity, You have gifts. Churches have unfortunately focused mostly on spiritual gifts and vocations within the church. But we don't always recognize the wide range of abilities, skills and aptitudes that all of us have, whether civic, artistic or entrepreneurial. Don Everts is the senior pastor of First and Calvary Presbyterian Church in Springfield, Missouri in the States and is a writer for Lutheran Hour Ministries and the Hopeful Neighborhood Project. Don has spent nearly three decades helping people on college campuses become good stewards of their God-given gifts and Don joins us today. Hi Don, how are you? Uh, great, good to be with you Brent. Uh, in what ways has God gifted everyone? God is a good creator and uh, he creates every human being. And, and so what we read in Genesis is that God not only creates humans, but he creates them well. And he not only gives them work to do, like work and keep the land, as we read in Genesis, we're told there that he blesses them and then calls them to work and keep the land. And that there's a Hebrew word packed in there for bless that we doesn't really translate in English, but it means to impart the power for success or fertility or and, and, and so God gives every human a calling on earth, and he also imparts different gifts, passions, innate abilities. Um, we eventually get into 12 gift types to help us kind of think about those common gifts or creational gifts. But, but the core of it is that just like David in Psalm 139, every human can say, I have been fearfully and wonderfully made. And that includes God knitting us together with certain Yes. Now, this book was inspired by a very special gentleman uh, called Buzz. He was your yes. stepfather, wasn't he? And you write about him in the book. Can you tell us how he inspired your, your writing about gifts? Buzz uh, has now passed away, but Buzz was my stepfather. And um, when he married my mom, uh, he became the hardest person on earth for me to love <laughs> because he was married to my mom and he was very quirky. Uh, and and I was I was so hyper focused on his quirkiness that I kind of painted him as as being fully filled with deficits, <laughs> and and I focused on his neg the negatives, and then through a long story that would take a longer podcast to get into, my wife and I invited my mom and Buzz to move in with us, and, and we renovated our garage, and they moved in. And Brent, it was that process of living day in and day out with a fearfully and wonderfully made human being whom I had already dismissed that made me see Buzz's glory and his dignity and his agency and the gifts God had given him. And that was a real comeuppance for me. It was a real point of repentance of how I, how quickly I can focus on someone's deficits and it blinds me to the ways that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. The way that, you know, John Calvin, I'm a Presbyterian, Cal Calvin says, all humans are clothed and ornamented with excellent gifts. Well, I didn't see that in Buzz. And so that whole experience, Brent, helped me kind of repent from my working anthropology, which was that oh, some people are gifted, some people aren't. And it turns out that's very different than what than a biblical anthropology, which tells us that every human 
is extraordinarily well made. Yes, uh, some of the most quirky people I know are also some of the most gifted. That's right. That's right. I think we might have a quirky god if we can say that with without disrespect. <laughs> I would agree with you. I, I, I think I think he enjoys creating these personalities and putting That's them on right. the planet. <laughs> That's <laughs> I right. I think he does. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, how did this book also arise out of a research project? Yeah, we had uh, been doing research with the Barna Group. So Lutheran Hour Ministries and the Barna Group were researching a different important topic every year. And we had done a year of research on neighboring and neighborhoods. How are Christians welcome in their neighborhoods? How can they make a big difference in their neighborhoods? And Brent, that research project revealed how important assets are and gifts are. Like if you wanna make a difference in your neighborhood and your community, it's important to focus on what are the gifts that God has already given us. There's a fancy word for it. It's asset-based community development. But basically what it means is, well, let's start with the good things God has given us and the gifts he's given us. But that research revealed that churches in general are pretty narrow when it comes to helping people think about their gifts. And that's what made us want to go deeper. So we did another nationwide research project focused on gifts. How do people discover their gifts? How in touch with their gifts are they? Um, we, we did a special study uh, with pastors. How do pastors in churches talk about gifts? How do they teach about gifts? How do they equip people to use their gifts or not? And so that research kind of along with my own journey and then what the scripture has to say was really enlightening and helping us just think about this one slice of what the Bible teaches us about how God has made us. I'm going to come on and ask a couple of questions about this, because this is where the book, to my mind, gets really fascinating. Why do you think we shouldn't focus on spiritual gifts then at the expense of what I would call common grace gifts? Yeah, well, we, we should focus on spiritual gifts, and, and it's right to do that. Remember, Paul wrote, in regards to spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be uninformed. That's how he put it. And so there are these special enablements that the Holy Spirit imparts to believers, and those are so important to understand. But what our research revealed is that usually churches and pastors, and I'm saying this as a pastor, so I'm, you know, I'm telling stories on myself here. We often focus on spiritual gifts to the exclusion of talking about our common grace gifts. And the problem with that is God also gave those to us. You know, he, he, gave, us, he gave us artistic gifts and he gave people critical thinking gifts and he gave us technical gifts. And there's so many gifts he's given us that it's important that we not just solely focus on spiritual gifts, but focus on, on the wide range of the ways God has blessed us. Because I firmly believe that the Bible's indication is God gives us these gifts so that we will use them. Yeah. Why, why do um, pastors, because you write about pastors in the book, not to have a go at pastors. I, I've been sure. an assistant yeah. pastor, so... I put my hand up and so I'm, That's I right. proved myself. But why, why do they tend to emphasize and celebrate church vocations, uh, church vocations above vocations outside the church? Why are we so fixated on using people's vocations within the church? Yeah, I think there's a couple of reasons. We pastors are complicated. Uh, <laughs> the, the research is very clear that if it, on average, if we are celebrating the use of someone's gifts, it's those gifts being used in the church. I, I think the, the good spin you could put on it or the good rationale would be that we are so passionate about what happens in the church. 
And we believe the church is the hope of the world, God working through the church. And so we rightly celebrate and focus on and think about people using their gifts specifically in vocations in the church. I would say maybe another less virtuous motivation would be that it's kind of selfish. I, I as a pastor, am blessed and benefit from people laboring and volunteering and using their gifts inside the church. When they use those same gifts to bless their household or to bless their block or their neighborhood or their city or their school, it doesn't help me with what I'm doing, which is building up a church. And so I think there's also, I'm just speaking for myself here, I think there's some some kind of self-interested motivations of why we focus on vocations in the church so much. Part of it too is that if you are a vocational pastor, meaning that you work in the church, it's kind of what you know. It, you know what I mean? You're not thinking as much about maybe the neighborhoods or, or hospitals or schools or you know, businesses, etc. And so I think there's a kind of myopia that can set in with pastors over time. Do we need to change our views of calling? I think so. I, I find the um, I find the Martin Luther's revolutionary, well, revolutionary in the sense of calling people back to a biblical sense of calling. I, I find it so hopeful. You know, Lu Luther didn't see that. You know, as as others saw it in the medieval age that he was ministering in, that well, the people with callings are monks and priests and nuns. And everyone else just, you know, their work is essential, but they don't have a special calling. And Martin Luther just kind of pointed everyone back to the Bible and said, we all are called. Uh, you, you, you know, as Paul, as, as Paul wrote, you know, let, let each person be faithful and walk, walk the path that God has assigned to them and called them to. And so we all have different roles and relationships, each of which constitutes a calling. And so I, I find that kind of Luther's kind of refocus on a biblical sense of vocation to be really empowering because it means everyone is called and everyone has multiple callings in, in their household, in, in their church, uh, in, in their society and, um, and at work. And, and I, I find that to be an invigorating take on what does it mean to be faithful to our callings. Do different generations experience discovering gifts differently? Are some generations yes. more open to gift discovery than others? Yeah, our research revealed some fascinating things, Brent. So uh, it re revealed that y the younger you are, generally speaking, the younger generations are much more interested in discovering their gifts and in learning about their gifts. Older generations, less so. Now, we don't know why. It could be that... People in older generations feel that they already have a decent sense of their gifts and, and that they are using them well. And so the discovery process maybe isn't as important. But for whatever the rationale is, it is fascinating because I know many churches are looking for ways to connect with millennials, Generation Z, kind of these generations that seem to, in some degree, have dropped out of church. And, and it looks like we've stumbled upon a really interesting passion area for younger generations, they're really interested in learning about themselves. They're really interested in discovering their gifts. It, it, so much so, in fact, that our research indicates that even non-Christians are open to discovering about their gifts in a church context. Like if a church is a place where they can learn about their gifts, people who don't go to church 
are open to doing that in a church context. So there's a real, I think, Brent, opportunity that the research revealed in helping these younger generations, helping them discover their gifts and find ways of using their gifts and growing in their gifts. Mm. Why are Christian millennials more likely to say that understanding their gifts is important? Is it something about the millennial generation that makes them more open to this? It's possible. It could be that they're younger, and so they're still kind of in a maturation process and discovering things. It could be that the millennial generation is, you know, they're kind of activists, if you will. So millennials, uh, they're, they're not content to kind of sit back and be consumers. Millennials are, you know, I, I, I see them as like puppy dogs, like, let's, let's go make a difference. Let's do something in the world. And so I think that could color uh, their interest in thinking about, well, what are the gifts that I have and how can I use them? Whereas maybe some other generations are more okay just sitting back and letting other people do stuff and while they watch. So millennials seem to want to get their hands involved a little bit more so as well. What sort of tools are available for people who want to discover their gifts? How do people go about, or churches or pastors listening to this podcast, yeah. where do they go to find tools to help them and their congregations find ways to discover their gifts? Yeah, great question. You know, we found that there are many resources to help Christians discover their spiritual gifts, but there are not many uh, tools out there to help people, Christians or otherwise, learn about their common gifts. And so we, using the research uh, and infused by the research, we developed a tool called Every Gift. So it's everygift.org. It's a totally free uh, inventory that people can take that goes over 12 different gift types or gift areas. And so someone can take this about 15, 20 minutes to take it for some early learning about um, what are some of my gifts? What are some of my gift areas? Uh, and then we provide from there and people can find on that site other resources for, well, how do I develop those gifts? And how do I think about using them in the different vocations in my life? So there's one um, tool right there that we developed because it didn't feel like there, there were many out there. Mm. Coming back to the church, um, Don, how can we reignite gift development in the church? Mm, great question. Part of it, I think, is pastors and church leaders talking more about this, right? So right now we're in the midst of a sermon series in my church called Gifted, and it's because of what I've learned in, in, in the research. So we're spending a whole month talking about these things, looking at a biblical anthropology. We are also trying to help people not only identify their gifts in our church, but find places of using those in the different vocations in their life, including the vocations here in the church. So we've, we've, we've created what we call a gift exchange. Uh, and it's, it, it's kind of a, a bulletin board where people can say, here's some of my gifts. And others in the church can say, hey, I'm looking for people with these kind of gifts to help with this ministry, et cetera. So it's a, that's just an experiment we're doing. There's just different things pastors can do to help people discover their gifts be thoughtful about their gifts, and then find places to use them. Why is mentoring so important? Because I guess mentoring is a great way for pastors and church workers to sit down with somebody and try and get to know them and work out where their gifts lie. Yeah, mentoring is important for helping people discover their gifts, for helping people think about them. I found that people sometimes overlook what they're gifted in because they assume what's easy for them is easy for everyone. Well, no, it's easy for them because they're mm -hmm. gifts. They have gifts. Yep. So it's helpful to have other human beings, not just a survey like the one we developed to help you discover them. Mentoring is also important because 
you know, it used to be Brent that you, you would have a gift and you would mentor under someone, you know, like if you have some carpentry skills, you would mentor under a master carpenter and they would teach you and help you develop them. You know, today, a lot of people just look to YouTube <laughs> for a video to help them develop a gift or learn how to develop it. But there's something beautiful. And we, we see these like uh, master apprentice relationships all throughout scripture, that there's something beautiful about saying to someone else, hey, you're further along in developing this, this gift that I think I have. Will you help me develop it? And beautiful things can happen as we kind of reclaim the role of mentoring in the church. And why is the church such a great place for uh, developing gifts, do you think? I, I think a lot of reasons. You know, our, our research revealed that, for example, Christians uh, are more open to discovering their gifts in general uh, than people who aren't in the church. So, so there could be something about that we're steeped in the Bible, and so we're thinking about that we are made well. We're not cynics. Does that make sense? Like we mm. believe in a good God who has made us well uh, and made us good. And um, also a great many Christians have said uh, that, you know, where did you first discover your gifts that they were discovered in church? So there is, even though we have a long way to go in this regard in the church, it's not uncommon that sometimes someone's leadership gifts or music gifts were first found in the context of the church. And so churches tend to be a place that some people are predisposed to think about those things, even though, you know, we, we, have, we could do a lot better. Yeah. I mean, uh, a question I could ask is, do you think society as, as a whole is less connected with thinking about giftedness these days and is doing a less successful job of developing gifts within young people than, say, the churches used to be able to do? I think that's possible. We, and we, we did find some uh, differences in the research, too. So, for example, people who have higher education, on average, have a greater and clearer sense of their giftedness than people with less education. And, and, and we could, that's not rocket science, we could think about that. But it does reveal kind of an opportunity for us that, that people who don't have as much education haven't had as many people in their life saying, hey, you might be good at this. And so, Boy, what, what, a, what a great opportunity, you know, for, for us in that area. We also noticed, and again, there wasn't rationale, but, but the, 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 it was statistically significant that between men and women, uh, men tend to be a little bit higher in terms of how they rate their own giftedness and how in touch with their giftedness they are. Now, what are the reasons for that? Is that, is it that a larger percentage of men are in the workforce and that tends to be a place of mentoring and having your gifts noticed? Uh, is it something about messages that women get in our culture? But again, it, we don't know. The research didn't tell us why, but it did reveal another opportunity for us that um, to help people discover their gifts and learn to see what God has given to them. So I think there are a lot of opportunities for us today to embrace what is in essence a very affirming message. You know, Christ Christians, you know, we, we, we get a bad rap for we're all just judgmental and we point our fingers at people and we're holier than thou and we judge others. That can be the perception. Well, what a beautiful biblical message to, to blow the trumpet on more, right? To, to say, we, we believe that God makes people beautifully and then everyone has dignity and has some gifts well, let's help you discover yours. That's, that, that can help us build bridges. 
with people who've maybe turned their back on the church as a, a place where they've only experienced a judgmental voice. Yeah, how can local churches re-engage with their communities on the subject of giftedness? Are there opportunities for the local church here? I think so. I, I think so. So, for example, the church uh, that I'm a pastor of now, First in Calvary Presbyterian Church, I've been here less than a year, but one of the charisms or like gifts or passions that this church has is within the arts. Uh, it, it, it just happens to be, it could be because our church is on a university campus. For whatever reason, there's like a focus on the arts here. And so we're putting thought into, if, if we have all these people with gifts in the arts, and these are theatrical, and we have novelists here, and we have a lot of musicians and composers, how can we reach out to the community to say, hey, are there young, budding people in the arts that we, we would love to encourage you? We would love to give you a place to use your gifts. We would love to, you, you know, maybe have an academy or, or you mm, know, a week-long uh, a tutoring. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Mm, absolutely. This is why I think this book is so helpful for folk. Um, last question, Don, before we go. Yes. What, are, what are some of the obstacles to developing an equipping church, do you think? I think uh, they are numerous. <laughs> I'll, give you a, I'll give you a couple. I think one is we tend to have a perception that there are religious professionals in the church, the pastors like you and me, and then there, there's everyone else. I think that becomes an obstacle because people can maybe not think of church as a place where their gifts matter, their actions matter, their leadership matters. So I think that's an issue. I think another one is if we are equipping people to use their gifts, it's going to be more beautiful and more messy. <laughs> if, if, if you have lots of people like, here's my gift and I want to try this, mm -hmm. it involves more mentoring. It involves helping people develop their gifts. Mm -hmm. And I do believe God has given pastors to the church to help equip the saints for the work of ministry, but it is neater and cleaner if I just do it. <laughs> so I think that's a barrier of sorts. I said that was the last question. I've, I've told an untruth because I've, another one has just popped into my head. And I, yeah. I should have asked this, and I think it's a really important question. Why is it that some of us can't see our gifts? What stops us from seeing our gifts? That's a deep, deep question. Mm. In the research, there was a subgroup of people who said that, and, and we had a scale on a scale of zero to 10, how many gifts do you have, how gifted you are. And there was a subgroup of people who put zero. Wow. I have no gifts. Mm. And, and, and we actually studied that group. What do they have in common with each other? And it was interesting, Brent, because some of the things they had in common with each other is they were less likely to go to church, less likely to know any of their neighbors less likely to have a sense of community in their life. Now that doesn't point to causality, but there's it, there seemed to be something about people who are isolated from others, not having a sense of their giftedness. So I think that can keep people from discovering their gifts. Obviously there are people, I, I had seasons in my life where I really struggled with self-esteem and self-hatred. And, and obviously if you, if you are suffering from that, it can be hard to see the gifts that you have. So I think there are a number of reasons or messages that people can have tapes playing in their heads that would make them not predisposed to assume they have gifts. And so hopefully the biblical word and the good news of that we are all fearfully and wonderfully made can start to break into that and help people see themselves as God does. Mm, and help them struggle with issues of low self-esteem by the sound of it. It's absolutely. 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 We have all yeah. been fearfully and wonderfully made. 
That's right. There we go. Thank you, Don. Don Everts and his book, which I found fascinating and I thought was a, a great wake-up call really for all of us thinking about these things, trying to work with folk, trying to mentor young people. Uh, get a hold of it. It's from InterVarsity Press, IVP America, and it's called Discover Your Gifts, Celebrating How God Made You and Everyone You Know, and that includes eccentrics and quirky people like me. <laughs> and me too, the two of us both <laughs> We're all complete individuals And that's how God wants us really And thanks to our creative team at Liquid Edge Who sponsor this podcast And take care of things behind the scenes Don, thank you so much for your time sir Well thank you Brent, it's been great to think alongside you <laughs> It's been great to think alongside you sir Thank you Okay. We really hope you've enjoyed this episode of the God Story Podcast If you want to help us make more great episodes like this one you can head over to our Patreon page and become a God Story Podcast supporter. You'll receive our undying gratitude, plus a few bonus goodies for your ongoing support. Just visit patreon.com slash godstorypodcast. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash godstorypodcast. As always, you can get in touch with us via our website, godstorypodcast.com.